not adjust your tracking. You are now listening to the VH Saturday podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to VH Saturday, the show where we discuss the strange, unusual, odd, and obscure VHS tapes that we obtain through thrift, gift, and grift. My name is Henry. And I'm Allison. And this week we watched not one, not three, but two tapes about Vince and Larry, the incredible crash dummies from the 1980s. Uh, Allison, you weren't really familiar with these guys, right? No, not really. I mean, um, growing up, I remember seeing the commercials on TV. Well, not commercials. They're more like PSAs. But yeah, I'm familiar with them. But I didn't know that there was like a whole fandom, <laughs> which apparently you're like the president. Of. I, I, I am very much the uh, the head chief of the Incredible Crash Dummies fandom. I know way more about Crash Dummies than I think a normal person does. Yes. So Henry is the kind of person who, when he knows about something, he knows everything about it. And he will stop at nothing to tell you every fact. He's like a walking Wikipedia. As a matter of fact, he was just updating an actress's Wikipedia page today to include her work with the fucking crash dummies. Fun, uh, fun fact about the about you saying I'm the walking Wikipedia when I was in the Air Force. That was my nickname. Are you serious? Yeah. What I, the fuck? I, I was nicknamed Wikipedia. Um. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, we have a brain link. Me and Henry have this like brain link. I don't know. I can't explain it. But anyways, the crash dummies. Okay, first of all, I'm just going to let you guys know, like, this is the drunkest (laughs) I've been recording this podcast since fucking Tater Tomater. We usually record this in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) And it's uh, it's 10 o'clock tonight. Yeah. Uh, we are busy watching incredible crash dummy tapes. Yeah, and and researching it. This rabbit hole goes deep. Yeah, it really, really does. This so, is the most notes I've taken on anything we've covered thus far. So if you are not familiar with Vince and Larry, the crash dummies, they were a series of PSAs that were started in 1985. They ran for 14 years uh, and they were short commercials that were comedic um full of slapstick about instructing you to buckle your seatbelt. Yeah. So um back in the 80s, it was not common to wear a seatbelt. How what was the percentage of people who wore seatbelts? It was then? I saw a couple different sources, but it was between 19 to 21 percent. Okay. So roughly only 20 percent of people back then wore seatbelts. That's less than one out of four. Like, you know, that's that's yeah. less than a quarter of the population. And just think about it now. How many people do you know now who don't wear seatbelts. Like, I, I think I saw a statistic that we're at like 80% seatbelt usage. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if it's the whole country, but it's illegal to not wear a seatbelt in most places. Yeah. Now it is. I, and that, and you know, it's uh, the incredible crash dummies have been really attributed with that increase of people using their seatbelts because these commercials ran for 14 years. By the end of their run, the seatbelt usage was up to. Uh, like 69% and then now nice. it's at 79%. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, people people buckled up and I I was obsessed with these guys. Um, my dad would shout that they were on TV because the commercials were short, like right. between 15 to seconds to a minute. And he would like, Henry Crash, I would bolt into the fucking room to get this <laughs> glimpse of these, these dudes. They were voiced by Lorenzo Music and Jack Burns, both of which are well-known uh, voice actors. 
Lorenzo music specifically is just doing his Garfield voice when you when you watch this. So it's really hard for me not to just hear Garfield at this point. Yeah, I just hear Garfield yeah. whenever he talks. He has kind of like the same character. Um, so I hear you. We've been kind of interchangeably saying the original Crash Dummies and the incredible Crash right, Dummies yeah, I, when they are, in fact, different things. They are different things, but they were not always different things. So the Incredible Crash Dummies refers to the toy line released by Tyco beginning in 1991. But the toy line was originally Vince and Larry, the Crash Dummies. What ended up happening is uh, three TV stations pulled the PSAs off the air because they felt that these were no longer PSAs. They were acting as toy commercials and they didn't feel that was right. So the uh, National Traffic Committee um, and Tyco split ways, but they let Tyco continue the toy line. They just couldn't have Vince and Larry. So Vince and Larry were rebranded as Slick and Spin, and the toy line went from Vince and Larry, the Crash Dummies, to the Incredible Crash Dummies, but the commercials continued on. So there are... People refer to these as generations of Crash Dummies. If you look on the Wikipedia page, it's like generation one, generation two. So this tape that we watched was part of generation one. It would technically be part of generation one. Now, the the manufactured date of this tape is during generation two or three. But what year... Um, the back of the, the back of the box has arguing about this because look, I don't really know Roman numerals, but all of the copyright dates on the back of the tape are like in Roman numerals. Well, one of them it comes up as invalid. Also, it's not a proper Roman numeral. So <laughs> there's a typo on the Roman numerals. Yeah, uh, one of them. But the other one says 1985, which is the day year that they the Vince Larry became copyrighted, and mm-hmm. then the other year is uh, 1993. Um, so that would make sense because it was 1991 when the toy line had to switch from uh, Vince Larry the Crash Dummies to the Incredible Crash Dummies. And this box specifically states the original Crash Dummies. Mm. So that's what would tell me this would have to at least be after 1991. What I also think is really interesting about this box, um, and like I said, it, even though the toy line had to be separated from the commercial legally, there was still like a sort of relationship between uh, the Incredible Crash Dummies and the, and Vince Larry the Crash Dummies. The slipcover for this box, for the, for the slipcover box for this VHS tape, matches the Incredible Crash Dummies branding almost to the T. It has the same hazard yellow, I mean, I mean hazard orange for the, for the case. It has the black and yellow checkers on the sides, just like the boxes for the to action figures had. The font for Crash Dummies is the same block font and the the original is like angled on the top left, similar to the logo for the Incredible Crash Dummies, where it says the Incredible. So um, visually, they they made this box art. So if you're a kid and you saw this, you you would identify the branding as the same as the Incredible Crash Dummies, despite the fact that legally they are separate entities by this point. Right. So when researching all of this, I came across so many weird coincidences. Okay, so get this. The original toys were created by two guys, Jim Byrne 
and Dave McDonald. Dave McDonald is also the name of a race car driver who died in a car crash on the second lap of the 1964 Indianapolis 500. And both of these Dave McDonald's have no relation to John McDonald, the producer of this tape. That's so weird. Yeah. And then the only interesting thing I could find out about John McDonald is that he did not put this on his resume. <laughs> he currently only makes documentaries, one of which is specifically about the tree outside of Biff's house in Back to the Future and the people who are obsessed with it. I, I hope it's not the people who are obsessed with it, but more along just the fact that many Back to the Future fans come to that site and not like, my name's Greg. I... I come out to the tree every other Saturday. <laughs> just something about that tree, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if it's just about the fact that so many Back to the Future fans come to that site, um, I, I I don't think that's weird. Because like like we said, when we go back to Chicago at some point after COVID is done, we're going to drive over to Milwaukee and we're going to visit all the sites where surviving edged weapons was shot in. <laughs> Well, if you if any of you are interested in seeing any of John McDonald's newest work, you can check out his website, McDonaldProductions.com. He has trailers for all of his movies. And um, yeah, I got to say Back to the Future on Bushnell Avenue. It sounds pretty interesting. You can buy it from his website for like two ninety nine. So <laughs> I honestly think this should be something he puts on his resume. I agree. Like, he mentions like in his biography, he talks about um, like how he did TV projects, um, award winning projects for industry, education and television. I, I think that counts as this is industry yeah. education. Mm -hmm. But and, like this did win. So this tape won several awards. Yeah. And the incredible crowd well, that Vincent Larry, the Crash Dummies have won several awards. They're now in the Smithsonian, by the way. Mm -hmm. they, they got inducted into the Smithsonian and it took somebody two years to track down the original costumes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this campaign was successful. Yeah. So growing up in the 80s and 90s, pop culture was a lot more centralized. So we all watched the same TV channels. And so it was easy to just talk to everyone about, you know, the commercials that you saw or the TV shows you saw, whatever. So a lot of people had their eyes on these PSAs, but there were also a lot of other PSAs at the time. It was just very common, especially on children's television, to put in all kinds of PSAs about drugs and gangs and, you know, wearing a seatbelt, whatever. And a lot of these PSAs were not successful. Either that or if they were, even they were moderately successful, they're not memorable. No one is talking about. And he's like, well, the only I disagree. The marijuana ones, I, I, people go crazy. Some of the marijuana ones. I was going to mention the one What? this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. That one is iconic, of course, but because she just like flips the fuck out. Have you you've seen that one? Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. iconic. With the, pan, the frying pan. Frying, yeah. They, that that ran for so many fucking years. Yeah. I remember seeing that still into the 2000s. Like, mm -hmm. wow, we're still fucking showing this. For this sure. has been around since I, since I was a kid. I think they actually had multiple iterations of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
But you know what's really funny now? People pay to go do that. They're called uh, the like rage rooms. Rage rooms. <laughs> yeah, no, the original rage room. No joke. I made an appointment to go to a rage room literally in March of 2020. So it was like right when I want to say our appointment was like a week after everything shut down. Oh, so we had to cancel our appointment. Oh, and so I never got to go to the rage room. That's so shitty. And I've just been bottling up my rage ever since. <laughs> this. this- this fucking rabbit hole is insane i feel like we're gonna be talking about this for hours but you know what it's interesting so this campaign was popular and one of the reasons why is like you said those other campaigns weren't weren't successful because it was gloom and doom don't do this you're gonna die like all the seatbelt campaigns before were just showing how you're gonna fucking die Mm -hmm. and that was originally what the crash dummies were gonna do it, the first commercial that they wrote, they didn't make it, but they wrote what they wrote was that uh, the crash dummies are being dragged into the crash test center and they were like trying to claw their way out. They were like freaking out. They didn't want to go because they knew they would go and just get smashed to pieces. And they said, well, what do the crash dummies love their job? Because they're <laughs> they're putting their necks out for safety, making everyone safer. They're doing the hard work. And uh they made them slapstick They're They, they do a lot of puns. There's a lot of wisecracks. Uh, the tape opens up with them driving and one asks the other, what's the first thing that goes through your head when you uh, get into head on collision at 30 miles an hour? And he's like, I don't know what. The steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, don't know, I love puns. I, I think I blame the... Uh, crash dummies as actually for my love of puns because like i said i was obsessed with this as a child i just think it's just so very bizarre to create a toy line out of a psa like could you imagine if they made action figures of like the girl melted into the couch after smoking (laughs) weed yeah i i mean okay brain on drugs lady no with frying (laughs) well at the same time, I feel like no one would question a Scruff McGruff action figure. That's true. No one would question a Smokey the Bear action figure either. Right. And that's where I feel like they're more along the lines of, however. So if they're like cartoony, it's OK. But if they're like real people, it's weird. It's well, I feel like it's also the I don't know. This the, is in this weird kind of middle ground between cartoon and real people. I think what made it work as a toy line because. They were funny. The commercials were really funny. They made you laugh every time. And like you see these dummies get torn to pieces and you're like, yeah, that's that'd be fucking me if I got a car accident. Mm -hmm. You know, my arm would be going through the fucking windshield. I get it. But like it's not gory, but your mind pieces it together. And I don't know. I feel like boys like crashing cars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They do. And then the fact that the the dummies, the toys, they were spring loaded for all their limbs, so they would literally fly apart. And that's just fun. So my theory is, as Americans, we love doing the opposite of what we're told to do. Yeah. We hate being told what to do. It's just in our, you know, like the British were like, you're going to follow these rules. And we were like, fuck you. No, we're not. That's just ingrained in us. It's just part of our culture. Yeah. So. The thing about other PSAs, for instance, I just think of the drug ones because they stick out in my mind the most. 
um they're just like they talk down to you don't do drugs like okay Uh, we we partake in marijuana quite frequently every day (laughs) but yeah but like the, the way they portray it is not real that's not how it really is to no, smoke they, weed right. it's not dangerous so you see them being like hey don't smoke weed it's bad you'll sit around really relaxed all day you're like oh, well, no. i want to fucking do that you know fuck you but with the crash dummies it was like hey if you don't wear your seatbelt, you dummy you're gonna fly through the windshield and your shit's gonna go all over the place. But the crash dummies were like, yeah, we like crashing. We love it. And we're just like, oh, they like crashing. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of things. So it's people, it's not so much that we don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told what to do in a condescending way. Hmm. And that's what all those PSAs are. They like, they look down on you for like doing drugs and like say say you already are doing drugs you're you're not gonna see the psa go well damn they're right you're gonna be like fuck you uh you know lorenzo music was actually in a drug psa oh. from the same time uh cartoon all-stars to the rescue right he was cartoon all-stars <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> we need to get a copy of that. i yes okay Please let us know. Please send us a message, vhsaturdaypodcast at gmail.com, if you would like us to review Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue, because that's a fucking gem. It's it's a little it's a little done, but you know, I, I would like to. I'd I say. love watching it. I could talk about it. So anyways, crash dummies. I'm telling you folks, when I say it goes deep, I mean it. This is this um, a lot. Yeah. So the history of crash dummies themselves not just the cartoon but the concept in general of a crash test dummy is brutal and insane so the first crash test dummy was created in 1949 by the u.s air force these are an american creation um for the evaluation of a of a fighter jet ejection seat so it was specifically a military thing but then like in the 1950s they were first used for the auto industry, and um, the first crash test dummies for cars were named Sierra Sam and VIP 50. And I just think those are really sick names. So here's a fun fact about Air Force uh, crash test dummies. So uh, this goes back to one of my other obsessions, uh, aliens. Okay. And so uh, the infamous Roswell situation, mm-hmm. um, the official story from the government is that it was a weather balloon, right? Uh, a manned weather balloon. And the the aliens that they saw people carrying away were crash test dummies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the alien corpses were crash test dummies for a weather balloon. That is the official story for Roswell. Wow. Did you ever hear that story about like the guy who called the police because he thought his son was like inside of a balloon that he made? You're talking about the the balloon boy family? Yeah, dude. The whole family. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah. I remember I was like 17. I was in high school when that happened. And it was the family trying to get a reality TV show. Yeah. And And they found the kid like hiding in the closet or something all the time. And like 
you know, but he was supposed to do that. Like, yeah. And he's the one that spilled the beans on the accident. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, my mom told me to go in the closet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck. There goes our movie deal. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, I'm looking into the history of crash test dummies because I see that this specific tape was um, funded by Hyundai. Um, and so I was like, okay, what is Hyundai? Like, what is their history with crash dummies? Like, did they invent the crash dummy? What's the deal? No, they didn't use them until the eighties. So right when this PSA started, um, crash dummies can cost a lot of money. Um, let's see one unit costs from 10,000 to 1 million us dollars. But they have improved so much over time. At one point, they were using cadavers. Was that before or after? Oh, my God. That was before. Before. The reason why they invented crash dummies was because, for one, they would use literal fucking cadavers. Because they're like, well, they're already dead, so whatever. But, you know, because they were dead, they didn't act the same way that a live person would. So then they got the idea, well, let's just use live people and would literally ask for volunteers. This video actually has footage of live volunteer testing in Europe, and it is fucking gnarly. Yeah. Not gory. Don't you know, this isn't the the PSA red asphalt, which is another PSA telling you to uh, buckle your seatbelt. And that's available on VHS. But that one is gory as shit because they show real crash footage and stuff like that and they try to scare you into buckling your seatbelt versus these guys just going hey don't be a dummy yeah <laughs> buckle your seatbelt you know you know what you're all right <laughs> you're all right vincent larry because <laughs> they're not talking down to you that's why it worked yeah yeah i, I buckle my seatbelt shit this i was I was really young when this came out. I was like three years old. And I, like I said, I was obsessed until the toy line was discontinued. Um, but the PSAs continued for like another like seven years. And um, I, I always buckle my seatbelt. It was ingrained into me from this early age. And I really do attribute it almost entirely to the incredible crash. Now, my entire family, my mom and dad both did. They weren't the like weird sticklers that don't do that. But like, you know, mm-hmm. Well, shit, I mean, we're over 20 minutes into this thing and we haven't even talked about the content of the tape that we watched. But granted, this tape is only 20 minutes. True. That is true. It's nice and short. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot as well. So basically, Vince and Larry are the crash dummies and they're kind of this... Um, dynamic duo they have this chemistry where basically like Vince is kind of the bad influence where he comes up with the ideas and uh, Larry just kind of gets dragged into his schemes well, what, what, how it is is they're both great at their jobs the, yes. move, the movie starts out with them in a uh, showing off the newest PSA at a board meeting and very meta yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's very meta, though. Like, you know that there was a boardroom meeting where they're watching these PSAs and they're saying, wow, look at the statistics. This is successful. People are buckling their seatbelts up like crazy. Like, I work for a marketing company. I know how this works. <laughs> so, 
I, I just don't think Vince and Larry were sitting there in the boardroom themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were that's being... where the suits were this whole time <laughs> so they were um they were congratulated by their boss mm-hmm. uh doing such a bang up job of <laughs> shut shut the fuck up henry a bang up job they make puns they make crash puns i'm gonna make some crash puns throughout right, this entire okay fuck- we had our fun we had our pig puns last episode I mean, we have our crash puns this one. Right, the crash dummy campaign was a smash hit. And so, like... <laughs> and so, their manager, boss guy, he's uh, telling them he wants to give them um, uh, a week a week vacation. And he, like, hands them, like... For a, saving so many for lives. For saving so many lives. Doing such a, such a great job at saving lives. And then Vince is like, how about this? Double or nothing? And he's like, what? And he's like... If by the end of the weekend, we can get more people saving lives without buckling their seatbelts, because they got everyone buckling their seatbelt living, they got to get worried about that other percentage. You know, what can we do about the people that don't want to buckle their seatbelt? What can we do? So uh, then they get a month off instead. Mm -hmm. And that that's that's where our story begins. Yeah. So Vince is a gambling man. And Larry's like, like. Vince, what are you doing? I, I, I would rather just take a vac- take a week off. In his Garfield voice, he's just like, this isn't a good idea. Vince, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Joke about Mondays. He uh, doesn't want to come back. But I don't watch about Mondays. <laughs> makes sense, actually. But not, it makes more sense for Larry to hate Mondays than for, for fucking Garfield, too. <laughs> So, um, you know, so they set off on this quest to kind of like research the ideal seatbelts alternative. Right. So they go to the crash test center the, for research and development, R&D. And Larry's like, I wish we could just go get some R&R. Like, <laughs> and like, uh, they meet scientist lady. Oh, the sexy scientist lady. It's a play by Angel Tompkins. That's the Wikipedia page that you updated. That is. She's she actually, everyone who worked with the crash dummies is just ashamed of it for some reason. Yes and no. Um, because Lorenzo Music and Jack Burns were proud of it. And so were their um so were their their actors. Uh the actual body actors was uh Tony Raitano. And who? Brian Boitano? <laughs> That's what Brian Boitano knew. Someone say my name. I'm Brian Dennehy. What? No, not fucking Brian Dennehy. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, bye. And uh, <laughs> Whitney Ry- Rybeck. And they are both proud of it. They, 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 they did. And what's really, really interesting about them is uh, Whitney Rybeck was actually a not only an actor, but he's a trained mime, huh. which becomes very, very useful in this because what I learned from an interview with Whitney Rydbeck, is that you can't see shit inside that helmet. They're completely blind. They, they are completely blind. And what's actually really funny in, in a kind of a dark way, uh, there was a PSA they did with Ray Charles, and they're all singing and playing the piano and talking about buckling your seatbelt. And you watch this PSA now, and you realize, holy fuck, no one on the screen can see. <laughs> But, 
So they would they would have to do the entire bit multiple times without the helmet. They would do all the rehearsals without the helmet. And then they would put the helmets on and they could see out of the tiny slit of the mouth. But the mouth is uh, opening and closing. They have like a, a, a pulley that goes to their hand and they could like pull it with their hands. And that makes the mouth go up and down uh, as a, like sort of a puppet. And they could see through that when it's open and they could see through the acrylic eyes, but their little their beady little eyes. So they would have to perfect the entire scene and then put the helmet on and then go do it with, without seeing a shit. That's crazy. No wonder they're always crashing. They can't fucking see where they're going. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyways, I want to mention that seven minutes into this video, there is a clip of one of the dummies putting a tape into a VCR. Oh, yeah. And I just thought that was really fitting. It's very fitting. Um, <laughs> so they meet scientists lady. That's where mm -hmm. I was. So they meet scientist lady. And they talk science. They talk science. And she teaches us actually the equation to calculate uh, how much force there is during a crash based off of weight. So force equals mass times acceleration, right? So they show, for example, that a um, baby being like much smaller than a adult male will just get squished and go flying in the crash versus a male will, who will just slam into the steering column, right? And that's when they really start to evaluate and figure out ways to make this alternative to seatbelts. Yeah, we see all of the boring science stuff that if the PSAs were just this, they would not be successful. Um, because again, a lot of it is that kind of like trying to scare you sort of thing, showing the demonstrations with actual crash dummies of like, you know, the kid crash dummies in the back seat without their seat belts on, being ejected out of the fucking back windshield. Shows like the mom in the front pa front passenger seat holding the baby and how like she would just slam completely forward and that baby would just go pop. Like, you know, they have um pregnant crash dummies. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. They, they fucking go. They spend. I think I read that Hyundai spends like 15 million dollars every year just on crash dummies well i mean like if some of them cost a million dollars like that's not that many this is not that many crash dummies when you really think about it damn but some of them are like ten thousand dollars so that's actually that, that is a lot it depends uh, on the dummy yeah it depends on the dummy it depends on how realistic it is. Um, 3D printing is making a lot of great strides within crash dummy testing. Mm. Um, there's also a lot of uh, uh, what makes them expensive, the amount of sensors in there. While you're getting a lot of feedback um, so you can see how things are being uh, transferred, how that energy is being transferred and how we can make those adjustments. Yeah, the science behind it all is really fascinating and it's always evolving and seeing how far it's come um, over the past several decades even has just been really interesting i know that the average person watching tv probably doesn't give a shit about you know the equations and whatever but i did find it fascinating that the demonstrations that they showed with the crash dummies were only at like 25 miles an hour 
and they're showing these cars crashing into other cars or walls at only 25 miles an hour and the damage you know slamming their heads into the windshields and stuff not wearing a seatbelt. like imagine if you're on the highway going 60 or something like that it's just crazy. It's, I, it's scary as fuck when you really think Yeah, I really, like, I learned something. I had no idea that going that slow, not wearing a seatbelt, you can still fuck your shit up. It reminds me of the Family Guy skit. Buddy, I had a cousin got in a fender bender at five miles an hour, messed his neck up, he's got partial numbness, he's just not the same guy anymore. Was he wearing his safety belt? Thank God. So then we're, you know, we see this like Blues Brothers style sequence where they're driving on the way to the junkyard to try to get parts to build their fucking super suit. They they bring their friend Charlie along. Yeah, Charlie, but Charlie's in pieces. Charlie, Charlie's been, he's pretty broken up still about his uh, last crash test. And um, Charlie's apparently voiced by a well-known voice actor, uh, Gordon Jump. He had a radio show, WKRP in Cincinnati. So he uh, he joins them and that's how they bring up the child safety seats. The proper oh, child. Right. Yeah, they teach mm-hmm. you how to proper child safety seats. Yeah, because uh, they, they originally that. have him just like in a crate. Yeah. And they buckle the crate in and he's like, yeah, but like my head's going to go flying. So then they get them into like a a proper child safety seat that keeps them restrained and they go to the the junkyard. They start getting getting parts. Mm -hmm. So the um, they come up with this full body suit that's supposed to protect you in a crash if you're not wearing a seatbelt. And they end up coming up with this hockey mask and samurai greaves. It's, it's from fucking Animal Crossing. <laughs> it, it was a lot of things. And so the first test they did was a they were talking about how because there are people. Was, oh, I would just I'll just brace myself against the the call the steering column if I get into a car accident. So I go. Like, oh, so you use that equation we learned earlier that the force is usually 300 pounds of force mm-hmm. and they drop uh, a 300 pound barbell on some hydraulic arms. They keep making stronger and stronger arms. See if that'll work. And that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So they make this suit that has like hazard lights, helmets, magnets to repel things. Mm-hmm. It inflates as its own airbag sort of thing. Yeah. And this goes awry when they're giving the presentation to the board on Monday. And Vince is in the suit and the suit inflates. And he starts flying around the room like fucking <laughs> what's that scene in Space Jam where they like Wayne Knight, where they like pump him oh. off full of air. <laughs> he goes flying around like. Until the point where he crashes through the uh, projector, the projection screen and the window. Mm-hmm. And Larry is like, Vince, and he like runs out the boardroom. Yeah, the board is not amused. The uh, Their boss looks very, very unsatisfied. Yeah, he's, he's disappointed. He looks very embarrassed mm-hmm. for even giving him that, that option. Yeah. Um, but uh, the it- point is, it's just easier to wear a seatbelt. Yeah. You don't have just bro, just wear your fucking seatbelt. Fucking seatbelt. It's not fucking hard. It's not hard. It's not fucking hard at all. Um, and then we close out this tape with 
an epic rap sequence. Yes. We are the dummies crashing on the roof, busting our heads just for you. My name is Vince. This job makes me sore. If you'd buckle up, I wouldn't do it no more. They call me Larry. I'm a dummy too. When you don't buckle up, you're a dummy and you. Buckle that bell. That's one thing to say, and we know we're not wrong. When you go for a ride, put your safety belt on. It was just that's just that was a reoccurring PSA. There is a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was there's so many of them. And that was one that one that actually stuck in my mind a lot for years. It was just lived rent for my brain. Yeah. So that was the first tape that we watched. Um, not a whole lot of content. It's short, but like the whole world behind Crash Dummies is so vast that I mean, we can talk about how like the next stage, the next generation, if you will, of Crash Dummies went from the PSAs to the toys to, okay, what's the next step? Cartoons, yep. right? We got to get that Saturday morning TV show. This is the natural progression of things at the time. Right. So they put together a pilot episode. It showed um, on Fox Kids in 1993 as a uh, special to see if people watched it, enough people would watch it. It was going to get made into a TV show. It is the first CGI animated full-length cartoon. Everything else before that was just a short. This was a full 22-minute episode. Uh, predates Reboot, predates Beast Wars. And what happened was in 1993, it was determined this would just be way too expensive to produce CGI cartoons. And like the next year, fucking Reboot comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this tape that we watched was of the pilot. It was the pilot, yeah. Um, and uh, so this is the second time that we watched it together. And I would be happy if I never had to watch this ever again. I was dreading watching it the second time. It is just... It's not the most obnoxious Crash Dummies thing I've seen. We'll get to that. That's like the generation after this. Yeah. <laughs> but this was just... It was annoying. It was really cheap looking, first of all. Well, it was the first CGI cartoon. I know. It doesn't look any worse than Reboot. I thought Reboot looked like shit, too. Well, yeah, it was 1994. I know. But, I- like, I'm just saying, it's... we Like, we watched fucking Coneheads the uh-huh. other day, and the effects in Coneheads held up pretty decent. You're comparing a theatrical film to a pilot episode of a oh that was the first of its kind okay that's fair <laughs> that's fair but i said okay i hate this fucking pilot i, I, I wish it got turned it. to a cartoon no i want more what is the what's the content crash dummies worked before because it was short sweet to the point it was funny you could fit in a couple puns and it was fine but they're like, if they made a whole TV show out of this, it would have to be like, how many crash puns are there? How many seasons can you make of the same old fucking jokes? I feel like they would space them out more that they had to cram as many as they could because it was the pilot. So here's the other thing we got to we got to explain this part. So like you mentioned earlier, there's generations of the crash dummy toys, right? Mm-hmm. And generations isn't a weird term to use. Like Transformers gets referred to as generations. It's a it's a super, super common thing. 
Uh, so generation one was Vince and Larry. So you had Vince, Larry, Skid the Kid, Spare Tire and Daryl and uh, the dog Bumper and the cat Hubcat. They came together in a two pack. Um, then those got turned into Slick and Spin, the incredible Crash Dummies era. That would be generation two. And then we get generation three, which was the Protex suit era. We introduce a few more characters, including a adversary, Junk Man and the Junk Bots, because Somebody, some executive over at Tyco was like, yeah, but uh, who are the bad guys? <laughs> uh, sir, the, the bad guy is not wearing a seatbelt. Yeah, but, but who do they fight? <laughs> uh, sir, they don't fight. They are just trying to make the world safer. By fighting, yeah. <laughs> That's how you make things safe, right? You, you, you eagle, fight. Eagle screech in the background. <laughs> Yeah, Optimus Prime fights Megatron. He-Man fights Skeletor. That, that's what the that's what the toys do. They fight. So uh, wait a second. We just had the same conversation earlier today. We were talking about <laughs> we were talking about another popular toy line, My Little Pony. Now I'm more familiar with My Little Pony than Henry is. I'm not familiar with My Little Pony at all. I can barely <laughs> tell you. And he, I can tell you who Rainbow Dash is, and that's because they have a rainbow on them. So, <laughs> so, so I, I I love Mega Man, and I was playing a Mega Man hack that turned into My Little Pony. And if you play Mega Man, you know how it works. You get you choose which boss you fight. You get a power and use their power to beat another boss. And they're going to be weak against one another. And it's basically rock, paper, scissors. And that's why Mega Man is called Rockman in Japan, because rock, paper, scissors. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. OK. Yeah, that's why <laughs> that's how I got his nickname or uh, his name uh, is from rock, paper. So I beat a couple of the bosses and I'm like, God, who the fuck do I beat next? And I'm like, Allison. Whose power would be good against Pinkie Pie? And you're like, <laughs> what? And I'm like, well, uh, Rarity, obviously, because Rarity is like, you know, she's more grounded than Pinkie Pie. And I was like, yeah, but like, whose magic power would be better against their magic power? And I'm like, well, they don't really have magic powers. And he's like, well, I was under the impression that it was a show about well, magical ponies. Yeah, they're it's friendship, friendship is magic. magic. And I was like, well. No, not necessarily. Like, there's magic in the show, but they don't really have, like, powers. And he's like, well, then how do they fight? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's it's friendship is magic, not fighting is magic. Turns out fighting is magic is actually another. It's a fighting game. My it's a, Little, it's a My Pony, Little Pony, Pony fan fighting game. Yeah. <laughs> they got hit with a cease and desist and then um, by Hasbro. And they turned it to another game using the same engine called Them's Fighting Herds. And the creator of My Little Pony assisted with the new pony designs for Them's Fighting Herds. So it still is sort of related to My Little Pony. <laughs> I guess. But yeah, so like, how did Henry they, how could they not, he could not wrap his fucking head around it. He was like, what do you mean they don't fight? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, they're just friends. And he's like, OK, well, it's to sell toys, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, so what do you do with the toys? Like, what do you make them do? And I'm like, well, you know, you like brush their hair and make them have tea parties and shit. And he's just like so confused. He was like that gif of the lady with like the, <laughs> the, math, the equations. math equations like flying across the screen. 
Well, like, it's... Listen. <laughs> I'm a child of the 80s. Okay. And all of our cartoons fought. And My Little Pony is from also from the 80s. So therefore, they should be fight Like, Strawberry Shortcake fights. Wow. Right? Strawberry Shortcake fights. So does the fucking Care Bears. The Care Bears fight. They got the Care Bear lasers coming out of their fucking stomach. Mm-hmm. You, the, the Smurfs fight Gargamel. They lose because he's, you know, a man. <laughs> <laughs> but like... <laughs> Yeah, and they do a Zerg rush. And it's a Smurf, and it's like <laughs> Smurf rush. <laughs> so, so I don't. How do they not fight? They don't fight. They're just friends, and there's conflict that comes with having relationships. But friendship is magic, uh, and they don't use the magic. You don't need magic. Friendship itself is what's magical. They have a dragon. Yeah, but he's not like a fighting dragon. He breathes fire. What Only else when you... it's helpful. Yeah, like during a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, long story short, Henry's the fucking boardroom executive <laughs> over at Mattel. Hold on, like... though. Transformers and My Little Pony have a crossover and the ponies fight the Decepticons. <laughs> So I'm right. All right. Okay. The ponies fight eventually. The ponies fight eventually. As it should be. (laughs) What did you say? Ponies can kick really hard. (laughs) They can. (laughs) I knew someone that got kicked by a pony. They had to get stitches because they like split their entire cheek open. Holy shit. Yeah. There was an episode of The Simple Life where Paris Hilton was riding a horse and she got bucked off and had to go to the hospital. Yeah. It's gnarly. Like. It's gnarly. Like this, uh, they were doing um the, the dressage where you dance. Mm-hmm. That's how I know a lot about dressage because yeah. you know. Oh yeah, you know a lot about dressage. I know a lot about dressage. Or like a like a Wikipedia article level of knowledge. Negative. <laughs> Negative. You said that about things I like. Oh. <laughs> I just know about dressage. All right. I won't ask any more questions. But so yeah, so they. They, we don't have Vince and Larry anymore. We don't have Vince and Larry. We have Slick and Spin. Larry, no, Larry was blue. And Spin was purple. And then Slick is white. And um, Vince is gray. So they just did a slight palette swap on the figures. Re-released them. But then they came out with uh, a new line. They said, we need to release more toys. So we're going to repaint these figures already. Give them a new paint job. We're going to call them the, the Protec suits. And then... We're Protec. Also, yeah. He protect, but he also attack. <laughs> it's it's Piero T E K. So you got like another like play on words there. Um, and we an- introduce the antagonist, Junk Man, and the Junk Box. Yeah, this is the origin story for Junk Man. But first, I want to say, um, we're talking about the cosmetic changes to the dummies between Vince and Larry and Slick and Spin. But there's another change that I noticed that didn't sit right with me is they kind of changed their personalities. Slick and Spin in this um, pilot, they're literally standing in the corner, banging their heads together. And they talk like they have this like 90s surfer dude, like, hey, bro, like kind of voice. And they both talk the same. Their personalities are the same. Like before Vince and Larry kind of had different um 
personalities. Larry was like the straight man. Vince was a, uh, you but, know. Like the troublemaker. Yeah. Or like, you know, he was a gambling and there's a there's a there's an ebb and flow to it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they had a they had a banter. Yeah, yeah. Where Vince is like, let's go do this. And Larry's like, I don't feel so good about this. Like that kind of or dynamic. Like, or like, you know, one of them didn't want to get up uh, to go to the crash test center for for work. He's like, come on, we got to go save lives. And he's like, but people don't want to let buckle our seatbelts anyways. And he's like, well, if we keep doing what we're doing, people, more people do it and motivated them. So there's an ebb and flow to it. Um, but yeah, Slick and Spin are like, they're like a unified entity that's kind of just been split into two characters. Exactly. And um, they introduce so many more fucking dummies and other characters into this. Um, you've got Bull, you've got Spare Tire, you've got Dr. Zub, you've got Ted, Dent, Daryl, Horse the Janitor. I Horse the Janitor didn't get an action figure and I was really upset about it. Neither did Dr. Zub. Dr. Zub has like a hunchback. He's like an old man. And I would love to have an old man crash dummy figure <laughs> that I put in my, my car and like crash. What was the, uh, there was a female crash dummy. There was Back in the day. going to be a female crash. So in the PSAs, there was Darlene. Darlene. The, and then they were going to make a Darlene action figure. And she was going to have ribbons come out of the back of her head. Uh, they determined that boys probably wouldn't buy the Darlene action figure based off of other toy lines. So they took Darlene and that's how we got Daryl. They removed the um, the ribbons from her head and they took her pink suit and made it red. And that's how we got the Daryl action figure. Um, Darlene was also reattempted for Generation 3 with the Protex suit. But again, that didn't make it. There was a Darlene figure that did get made was part of the Crash Dummies board game uh, that Tycho put out. Um, there's a board game? There's a board game. There's also video games. Oh, so that's right. Um, they made merchandise of these motherfuckers of like everything, like Valentine's and T-shirts. Oh, my God. Lunchboxes. The Valentine's. It's just one thing after another. Um, This pilot that we watched. Let's talk more about the story. The story, right. Because we learn a lot about the origin of the crash dummies themselves. We start out. We got spare tire and bull testing at the president's limo. And then we. Oh, yeah. Spare tire is the fat one, by the way. Real, uh, real nice. Real nice. You guys. Great job. As a child, I didn't pick up on that. Wait, so is Bull the one that fucks your wife? <laughs> his truck has bull horns on it. <laughs> his, 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 the rollover truck has like has bull horns on it. And that's like he's got a Texan accent. He came with a taxi cab door as uh, so Bull didn't come apart. He was the action figure. Didn't come like his head can pull apart, but he didn't have like spring loaded parts. He'll pull your marriage apart. But he, uh, <laughs> you could twist him at the waist and he would like swing. And so he came with this taxi cab door you could put on his like arm and you could twist him and he like smacks over the junk bots. So I'm trying to keep this, uh, keep this straight and going. Okay. So. <laughs> So what ends up happening, we see Slick and Spin do a crash test 
on camera to impress Dr. Zub, like, forgot to take off the lens cap. And they talk to Dr. Zub, and Dr. Zub says he already has chosen Ted to test the new Torso 9000, which is the new indestructible dummy part. That way they could stop, they could still test, but not, you know, go to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, as At least not go to as many pieces as unnecessarily. And so then they see... Ted get his head installed into the Torso 9000. His head has been modified to only fit the Torso 9000. He has a successful crash test. And then they all turn in for the night. Horst, the janitor, comes in. He, uh, oh, and then we see um, the junk man head, which was a new crash dummy head that for some unexplicable reason, when they installed it, it was evil. So they... Instead of just throwing it away or something, they just put it underneath this neat little glass case. Because Dr. Zub was doing an experiment, right? right? When he was building the Torso 9000, was his intention to create an all-new crash dummy? Yeah, so he said uh, when they, not only were they working on improving the dummy torso, they were also trying to improve the dummy head. And so that is where we went awry. Uh-huh. He put the head on the torso and then the t- the torso head combo turned into fucking Terminator. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's all in the head, really. You know, the head, whatever's in the head, because, you know, Ted is OK with the torso 9000, you know. So it's uh, he's got a pure heart, but his mind is corrupted. Ted? No, Ted's Jugman. Yeah. No, I don't. I think he's. I think just the programming in his head is like fucked up. Um. So so Horst knocks over Ted. Wait, is it Horst? Yeah. Or, I. Th- it's Horst. Like I he, thought it was Horse. I was like, why the fuck are they calling him Horse? Is he is he Swedish? Is that is that the accent they gave him? I don't know. He has a mustache. He's got a mustache and, and some glasses. kind of like European accent. Yeah. And. Uh, he's got glasses, thick ass glasses. Maybe he's German. I think German. because a lot of those of like initial tests with live volunteers were done in Germany. You think that's a reference to that? Dude, maybe. I, I wouldn't doubt it on in all honesty that they like showed. Um, they would have gone. They would have gone that in depth. I think so. Is Horst a German name? Hey, Google. Is Horst a German name? According to Wikipedia. The name is of old high German origin, meaning man from the forest, bosk, or brushwood. Yo. So. All right. So Horst the Yanator. Um, the Yanator. He, he accidentally knocks over Ted and Ted's head falls into the trash can. Uh, he also knocks over the junk man head. And because he's got shitty fucking vision, he sees the junk man head and thinks, oh, let me just put this guy back on here. And he installs it and uh, junk man comes to life, puts horse inside the vacuum and uh, he builds himself the rest of his body out of junk parts, kidnaps hubcat, takes a plane and uh, builds junk mountain. So junk man wants to steal the torso 9000 plans so he can build more. So he can build an indestructible robot army. Right. And then the purpose of having this indestructible robot army is to stop the crash dummies and put an end to safety. Yeah. 
and to safety as we know it, which is a quote from the film. Okay. So. I don't, like, I'm at a loss for words. I'm sorry, that's really, that's really fucking stupid. Yes. How do they... (laughs) They should have come up with a better plot line. Yeah, this was a failed pilot, so there are obviously flaws here. I... As a kid, I didn't question. It's just like, yeah, junk man. He built junk robots. He builds three junk robots. So he build, starts building a junk bot army and they have these tire shooting guns. The junk bots come and they spy on the crash dummies, right? Mm-hmm. And the crash dummies are trying to locate the Torso 9000 so Ted can get his head back. Uh, they decide to take to the take to the skies to get a good aerial view. And the junk bots were snuck, had snuck on top of the uh, crash test center and they installed these like. Modules, I guess they put Raspberry Pi on the fucking crash test. Yeah, on the crash planes. planes. <laughs> so slick and spin, take to the skies. And then we see back at Junk Mountain, Hubcat and uh, Junk Man have an arcade machine of Super Dummy World. Which has an amazing title screen that is a brilliant homage to Super Mario World. It's very well done. And he's, through this Raspberry Pi, he's able to control the crash planes and And makes them crash. Into each other. And they're upset about this? Because their job was not to crash that time. And, like, I know that... It's like, hey, look, guys, I'm, I'm Dr. Zub right now. I know that you guys crash every day and that's your job. And that's what I pay you to do. But this one time, could you not? Yeah, he says he's like, he's like, remember, resist crashing the planes, whatever you do. They're like, sure, no problem. And so then when they start spazzing out in the sky, he's like, what are you two doing? I told you not to crash them. And they're like, our planes have lost control. And then they when they try to instead of landing, they just uh when he's like, land the planes immediately. Junkman's like, as you wish. And he, like him and Hubcat make him crash. And they come down and uh, Junkman kidnaps Dr. Zub. Not before Piston Head is able to steal the micro disc with the plants of the Torso 9000. Junkman puts the GameCube disc in into his- a toaster. Into his, into his, I was gonna say Nintoaster. <laughs> he puts it. In, he, he puts the GameCube disc in his Nintoaster, and, and he's able to see the plans to the Torso Nine Thousand, but actually not really because it had a program that's a tracking program. So now the dummies know where Junk Man is on Junk Mountain, and I thought it was kind of a cute video because it was making fun of like overly done '90s PSAs, which is kind of meta. Yeah, I guess 90s infomercials, not PSAs. Mm -hmm. But uh, so then. They just waltz right in, by the way. So they like there's no conflict of them getting into this lair, which they have to go on a fucking like, you know, Lord of the Rings esque journey to get to this place. Right. So so they get they tell Slick and Spin, this is where that is. You're going to need this cannon that folds up into a briefcase. The cannon was a real toy, by the way. You could buy it. There was a lot of uh, showing off the different toy aspects. Almost every vehicle in the show, like everything was a toy except Junkman's uh, helicopter. That was not a toy that you could buy. But every other vehicle was a 
purchasable vehicle. Almost every character was a character you could purchase, which, you know, that's no different from Transformers. Yeah. Except for horse, we really wanted horse, man. I want a horse action figure that comes with a fucking broom, uh, a broom or a vacuum cleaner. Because during the Protect suit era, they did start coming with weapons to attack the junk bots with. So sometimes they had like a stop sign, sometimes they had like a wrench. Fuck it, give horse a broom. <laughs> that would have worked with the you rest can, of the fucking series. You can fuck someone up with a broom. Yeah. 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 Because the junk bots shoot tires. They shoot tires. They have these like spring loaded tire guns. It's uh, just none of it. Just none of it makes sense. You know, when it comes to world building. I think it still makes more sense than like reboot. Yeah. I never understood reboots like your computer programs that like every time I lose in a video game, it's actually my computer program is like some some 12 year old inside my computer. <laughs> And then then reboot got weird when like Bob like left and he comes back and he's like looks totally fucking different. Like I uh, never really watched that show. Reboot was weird. Yeah, and then that's why reboot got rebooted. It. Like it was partially like <laughs> that's right. Partially live action mm-hmm. and made even less sense. Yeah, anyway. we had to do a lot of trial and error before we figured out what the fuck we were doing with CGI. Yeah, but uh, so I feel like it's just. Crash Dummies didn't need to bring an antagonist into this. No, not at all. It defeats the purpose. The whole thing was a public service announcement that was successful. That got turned into toys. That It was informative. It was entertaining. It was funny. The toys were fun, fun and they still drove. So the toys also, for the record, had functional fucking seatbelts. Mm-hmm. So if you buckled your Crash Dummies seatbelt, they didn't come apart as much. Yeah. Um, versus if you didn't. So it really drove the point home. They also all came with like the motorcycles came with helmets. Everything came with proper safety equipment. Mm-hmm. The the um the crash airplane actually on the bottom, you don't see in the in the sh- in the uh show, uh the bottom has like a compartment that like you could put another dummy in and you push the button and like open up the, the hatch, kind of like a bombing hatch, so <laughs> someone could parachute down and they came with little parachutes. It, the the um, crash plane came with two helmets and two parachutes. So your crash dummies could be ready to go and be safe in their crash plane. Um, so then what ends up happening is after they t- know where Junkman is, Junkman comes back to the crash test center himself and he kidnaps um, Dr. Zub. Dr. Zub because Dr. Zub, instead of putting the data on the GameCube disc, he instead put it in his brain. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I got to suck out your brain. Yeah, I got to suck this information out of your brain. So he, he kidnaps him. And then uh, you say there's no conflict, uh, but they do it in an amusing way where the dummies are walking to uh, first. First, they're driving right horses, truck. They crash through the, the gate. Then they get hit with like the metal magnet thing in a junkyard. They get compressed down into the cubes. They work themselves out of it because they're crash dummies. They oh can do man, the... you remember the junkyard scene from fucking Brave Little Toaster? Yeah. Holy shit. That's traumatic. Yeah, that like magnetic thing. It's just nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. That's just ingrained in my head, man. It's not, it's a lot less traumatic in this. They just, they walk away. <laughs> yeah. So then they're walking through like the trenches and like the junk bots are like sniping them with the uh, tire guns. They 
knock out each other on accident. And they're like, you know, I thought we would have a harder time getting in here. They get the crash cannon out. They launch themselves on top of the junk mountain. They tell junk man to stop sucking Dr. Zub's brain. <laughs> yeah, he has him. He has Dr. Zub hooked up to this like torture device with basically like you're laying down on a table and there's two plungers on each side of your head and it sticks them onto your ears and, and like, sucks information out of your brain somehow. And the switch says any and Audi. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. I thought that was I thought that was cute. Yeah. Hysterical. So um, they come up there and there's more junk bots that are ready to shoot them. And then the other crash dummies all come to the rescue. And, uh, and a spare tire rolls in on his fucking John Deere tractor, which was an actual vehicle you could buy. Wow. Why and it came with a character, I believe, named I believe it came with Dash when it was first released in Generation two. And then when it was released again during the Protex suit era, it did not come with a figure. Yeah. So uh, this <laughs> pilot, this pilot failed uh, for good reason. It sucks. It's not. Fun. I like the original Crash Dummies, Vince and Larry, so much more. Um, it still holds a soft spot in my heart. But you know what? It goes downhill even further from here because 2004, we get like this next, next generation of Crash Dummies. Crash Dummies was rebooted again. So because in 1995, Mattel bought Tyco. And in 2004, Mattel said, let's bring let's bring Crash Dummies back. So they made a whole new line of figures, whole new line of vehicles. Um, I bought the vehicles. I bought the figures. I was like 15 years old. You know, I, I'm a nerd, so I still bought fucking toys. And um, the figures just you would think it would be more interesting because instead of like one would explode like the originals and the other ones, are, each one would do a different kind of like thing. Some of them would split in half. Some of the head would pop off. Some of them would like twist around. Um, everyone had a different like crash function. Um, but to me, that made it more boring. Um, so in 2004, a series of Crash Dummies animated shorts were commissioned for the Fox Network and produced by Don't Don't Dumb for Kids Entertainment. Of course it was for kids. The shit course. was animated in fucking Flash. Yeah, it's cringe. It is, it is bad. They are literally like 30 seconds to a minute long commercials, basically for the toys. That's all they are. They get like... They look like fucking Microsoft clip art. Yeah, the Crash Dummy art is the the redesigned figures is they lost the charm. Mm -hmm. I feel they lost a lot of the charm that the original Crash Dummies are designed. The, the the designs that were made out of Vince and Larry, those ones had a lot more charm than these Mattel redesigns. Um, and then the actual skits themselves were just uninteresting and and just not funny um and they're obnoxious with the sound effects it's like yeah. have you ever seen johnny test when they have like a whip crack sound effect every like one fucking second mm -hmm. um it's like that where it's just constantly like constant noise noise and just berating you over the head and you're like please make and it it's stop. like it's 30 seconds but you're like fuck man this is a long 30 seconds so like obviously i'm a big fan of crash dummies i'm a, i'm I find the franchise very endearing. I hold it very close to my heart. I am strangely obsessive about it. 
Uh, and they changed the names of these crash dummies too. Yeah. So in this iteration, they're named Crash and Splice. Those are two of the characters. Yeah. Crash with well, the Dax figure Crash was blue and he would split apart like the original Crash dummies, but not spring loaded. They would just kind of like fall apart. Mm. Splice would uh, come split split in half. They all they all there was also Crunch. Crunch's head would like tuck in. Um, and Euro. Who uh, would? <laughs> it's gyro. It's gyro. <laughs> and gyro would twist. His like top torso, top of his torso would twist, spin around. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I would play with these figures, it wasn't the same. You didn't have that same visceral look feel when they would crash because like it would crash and then okay, Crunch's head would like tuck into his chest like a turtle or like gyro would just spin around and it's like, but he would spin around for like half a second you're still your brain is still reeling from the crash and like your your pieces are flying all over your fucking living room you know so you don't even see him spin around really and so i didn't find the toy line nearly as endearing most people don't even fucking remember that you rebooted toy line it did last for a number of years um but I, this that specific series of animated shorts only lasted one year before they replaced it with um, Ninja Turtle shorts. So people didn't really like them. Com- uh, they're commercials. Let's be fucking honest. Like yeah, they 100%. are commercials. Um, but like the, the toy line did do OK. I remember there was a number available for a number of years afterwards. If you listening at home <laughs> or wherever you are, maybe in a car, hopefully wearing your seatbelt. Yeah, don't be a dummy. Don't be a seat- dummy. If you're interested in learning more about Crash Dummies, I mean, I encourage you to look into it because this is really fascinating. There's so much to unpack. There's so much. I could talk about Crash Dummies for fucking hours. It's insane. I mean, we've already been talking for over an hour and we could keep going, but I think it's a good place to stop. Um, The evolution of Crash Dummies is really interesting. We haven't really seen anything in terms of like, animated crash dummies since um so who knows if they're the next 80s 90s property to get rebooted i if they do i really want them to bring it back properly with like vince and larry who like i said they're in the smithsonian people still remember vince and larry vince and larry still make appearances live appearances but like traffic schools and um uh sporting events sometimes just to like tell people to buckle their seatbelts there so they're still used but here's the thing do we really have a need for crash dummies in this day and age you mean like to as tell- a psa as a psa you know? I mean, the fact that the number of people who wear seatbelts has gotten up to what, around 90 percent by it was, now? It was 79 percent. So like about 80 percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I would disagree with you um, and say we still need it to get that other 21 percent. You're right. It is important. If if there are people who aren't wearing their seatbelts, I mean, what do you what are you doing? Why? Stop it. Get some help. Pork chop sandwiches. Those were PSAs. Those were PSAs. Based on a fucking cartoon. Cartoon. Based on a toy, toy line. line. 
It's the same thing. They did a different <laughs> order. It was a toy line, and then it became a cartoon, and then it became a PSA. This was a PSA that became a toy line that was going to become a cartoon. Son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, yeah. First video, liked it. Second video, hated it. Content uh, we looked up on YouTube afterwards. Hated it even more. I still love all the PSAs. I like I watched a bunch of them. They are still funny. They're amusing. Yes. Um, rest in peace, uh, Lorenzo Music and Jack Burns. But I think that does do, about do it for this episode. Yeah, definitely. Shoot us a message at vhsaturdaypodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website, vhsaturday.com. We have links to all of our socials. Follow us on Instagram. We're on YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel. We upload occasionally some extra spicy meme content related to the stuff we talk about on the show. So if you want some more content. Definitely check it out. Yeah, go to our YouTube page. Until next week, uh, remember. Be be kind. kind, Rewind. rewind.